Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Playing With Myself on the Internet. Rainy here from DMs After Dark, and I am so excited to dive back into Colossal for this solo role-playing game series that we are doing here uh, towards the end of the year, 2022. Uh, once again, if you download this the day that it is coming out, please make sure to sign in to Twitch later tonight and watch Amber lead the rest of the DMs After Dark through Crossroads Carnival. I watched that first episode, and oh boy, is it creepy. So if that's up your alley, be sure to check it out. We have a great time in Twitch chat, so come hang out with us. Before we begin, I do just want to say I am absolutely floored by the response we've gotten to this series already. It downloaded way more than I ever thought it was going to, and I hope that you all enjoyed it. I'm going to keep sharing it and hopefully keep showing people that there's a lot of fun and value in solo role-playing if you can't get your group together. And also, even if you have a regular group, um, I do want to talk a little bit before we start today and dive back into Marco's journey. If you're a DM or a GM who listens to us in our typical Modified Roles episodes or watches our streams and sees how we all take different approaches to running games, solo role-playing is a great opportunity to not only just practice and work out those improv or storytelling muscles, um, but also get ideas for your table. I mean, honestly, uh, just sitting here flipping cards to come up with prompts for this solo game has given me a really cool idea of a cavern city for one of my own games. I, I love just the little things that can spark inspiration, uh, and I can't wait to find out what else happens here. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm really glad people are listening to this at all, and uh, without any further ado, let's just hop back in and do a little recap. So last time in Colossal, we created our character, Marco Key, a shy, introspective young man who is leaving his home for the first time in the roomlands known as Colossal, this impossibly large castle that has entire biomes within rooms, and it has never fully been explored. There is magic in the form of these towering gargantuan rooks that come in sizes from, from what we saw last time, uh, roughly human-sized or slightly bigger, to city-sized that need to be felled by hunters. Marco has lived a pretty peaceful life so far. He's from a small village, and his family does pretty well for themselves, but recently he found out that they have a familial map and key that have been passed down from generation to generation. Marco, being the outdoorsy survivalist type, immediately kind of um, attached himself to this map and wanted to explore all of these areas of the roomlands that it depicted, which included five different rooms in the roomlands, each marked with a special different glyph on them. Um, it just so happened that Marco had recently made friends with a small rookling that appeared to have been abandoned. Turned out it was part of a larger rook that had caused some issue in his hometown, uh, but hunters from the nearby cities hunting guild uh, had taken care of and he befriended this small little it's a small probably like I think we said three-ish feet tall um, built like a little ice cube um, with these big old boxing hands uh, that can grow into these big punching fists and or two different shields or one large shield he is a small defensive 
ice form um, Rookling. That, that's why Marco's class in Colossal is that of the Followed. They make for very good exploratory classes and are decent in combat. And with that, Marco went off to explore the areas depicted by this map. He met a woman who ran a farm with one of her own rooklings. It was like a mounted, actually. She was mounted. She was on like this bull-sized mount that she'd created from scavenged rook parts. And she welcomed Marco in. They shared a meal. They had a nice uh, conversation. And she was a helpful NPC who, upon seeing Marco's map, pointed out that there's actually a crack in the wall that might be a better way to go towards the next room than the doors, which are heavily patrolled. Marco's kind of a shy kid, so... Um, and in the in the spirit of exploration, Marco decided, yeah, you know what, let's do that. Let's go in the crack way between, uh, between the rooms, which didn't turn out to be the best idea, maybe, um, because in that crack way, uh, not only did Marco almost set off a trap, uh, he also encountered a not-so-friendly NPC in a hunter with uh, one of the armed, a one of the other classes in Colossal that has an appendage from a rook attached to them. This one had a massive sword attached to his back as well as a sword in his own hands, clearly a fighter of some kind, a hunter, and he warned Marco that, hey kid, don't you know these crackways are dangerous? He had kind of a silly accent like that. We never gave him a name. Although, I mean, I guess Marco never really asked, but I'm going to try and be better about characterizing my NPCs. Um, I did find in the second book of Colossal, I've been doing a little more reading, there are oracle tables, so you can fill in NPC names and their mannerisms and their goals and stuff like that. So I'll try and do better about that if Marco meets any more in this session. Um, but not trusting this strange man, this hunter, Marco and his small little rookling fled into the abandoned cavern city of the Crackways, which have these uh, minecart rails kind of uh, connecting these perfectly cut-off flat platforms that create this abandoned cavern city. Unfortunately, that's where Marco ran into roughly 8 to 10 foot tall rooks that all seemed to be working together. It was like a troop of these seemingly um, patrolling this strange abandoned city. Um, and the hunter chasing also got in this little bit of a tiff unfortunately it only ended in marco having been surrounded by these rooks and that hunter shouldering his way out yelling hey good luck kid as he ran off for the exit and it left marco captured by strange rooks we did say though that i believe there was a connection between my rookling and these rooks they shared a glyph so that could potentially be a good thing for us we did end with marco and his rookling who i did decide to give a name and i think that this is an appropriate name not only as uh, a solo series for the dms after dark but also just because it's funny um marco's named his small little ice cube like uh rookling bergeron but he calls his rookling Burger, which, if for those of you listening don't know, is Amber's cat who almost always makes an appearance on our streams. So it is Marco and Burger, and they are currently surrounded by these eight to ten foot tall rooks that have spear 
and uh, swords that kind of project from their arms. They are also ice type, but they were attack type um, rooks. So they've basically created a perimeter around our protagonist and his small rookling friend. What is going to happen now? One thing I do want to point out, and luckily it didn't really come into effect, is that I'm not supposed to shuffle the deck in between exploration phases, combat phases. I'm supposed to just let this deck run until it runs out of cards. Um, the only time I did reshuffle the cards back in was after character creation, so I think we're good. Um, I have all of the cards still separated out, and actually the one I have on top here that I think is going to play a factor in how we're going to resolve this um, captive scene is when I created the Rook, the enemy that we went into combat with last session, you're supposed to flip what kind of reward they would give you if you win. Obviously, we knew because of the prompt that I flipped in my exploration phase that I was going to become captive. So I thought, I'm not going to get this reward. But I think, fictionally, it's still appropriate and it still has um, a purpose to serve. And what I flipped for my reward was a helm. And if you remember, uh, that is one of the other classes in Colossal, the Helmed. And they basically gain access to the magic of a rook through wearing part of it as a helm that they can attune to, basically, and then use said magic. So, I've been thinking about this, obviously, for the last few weeks since we ended our last session. And I think... I don't want this group to be led by a human because I think the whole point of the prompt was that they're not actually human. So I think that this group is led by basically like a commander of these rooks. They're larger than rooklings. They're smaller than medium rooks and they're certainly smaller than the massive and colossal rooks and things like that. So I think that this is almost like a lost offshoot. And I think that one of the interesting ways we can play this is I kind of want this abandoned cavern city in the Crackway to be not well populated, but sort of has become a haven of lost rooks. Not those big enough to go attacking towns, and maybe because, for whatever reason, they aren't antagonistic, but they are constantly met with resistance and being attacked by hunters and things like that they know that they're safe in these cracks and we know that they share a glyph type with burger so i think that there's almost maybe like a pause and a deliberation when they've surrounded marco and burger here and it gives marco and burger a second to talk while they silently deliberate amongst themselves um, we did talk about how in the second book there are other classes, and one of them is playing a rook of some sort, and I think that they do have the ability to speak, but for the purposes of this scene, Marco's not going to hear it, so we're not going to play out a conversation that they don't hear. Um, so let's think about how this would go down. Marco and Berger sitting on the ground, surrounded by these rooks as they silently deliberate amongst one another. Marco leans back, head against Berger's stony little body, and says, Don't worry, buddy. We're gonna get out of this. I have a good feeling. Do you think... Do you think maybe you can put in a good word? 
Berger stands up and approaches one of them and they quickly out comes one of the spears or the swords, right? And kind of points at it, warning Berger, you can't leave. You're not going anywhere. But Berger just holds their big blocky hands up and kind of just uh, gestures around this large, massive, empty cavern. And for a second, all of the rooks look back at Marco and Berger and they look around as well. I just did a little bit of reading in the second book, The Room Lands, and technically travel through the crackways is like its own big thing. So uh, Nick Angel, if you ever listen to this, sorry, I didn't do that ahead of time. Um, but you know what? I think that I'm going to use this as an opportunity to basically, even though this is like a free play, quote unquote, that you could just play out. Uh, it is a solo role playing game. So I do want to just start moving it forward. It does say here in the Roomlands book that travel through the crackways typically take at least two exploration phases to navigate through. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, because I went in during my first exploration phase, I'm going to flip five new exploration phase cards now. And if we find that we can follow the prompts and get out of here somehow, maybe we will do that. Um, and another thing that I wanted to bring up that didn't come up last time, and we'll see if it comes up this time, is anytime I flip a face card during exploration phases, there's like very specific things that happen. I think it's typically always like a rook attack or something like that. But, um, Let's see what happens here for what is now effectively an exploration phase in the Roomlands. Let's flip five cards for my followed. We have a seven of clubs, an eight of hearts, a six of spades, a three of hearts. Oh my goodness. And a five of diamonds. Okay. I've yet to flip a face card for any exploration phases. So, oh good. That means they're in the deck and they're going to come late later on and they're all going to come at once it's going to get scary um so let's take a second take a look at what these mean and see if we can weave something so the crackways have their own encounter table for exploration phases so let's go one at a time and see what we can come up with the seven of clubs a black seven says uh, intact monolith a huge monolithic tablet stands before covered in mysterious ancient runes you suspect an academic back at the city might pay good money for this information, or perhaps you can translate it yourself. Okay, that's cool. Also makes sense in an abandoned cavern city, right? That they'd have this big monolith. I wonder what information it holds. So that's a cool setting detail. The red eight says, oh, good. Oh, no. Massive sized trapped rook. Oh, no. You come across an agitated rook trapped in a large cavern, appropriate, but not quite large enough for it. If you choose to fight it, use the combat rules from the base rulebook. Oh, you know what? Oh, I think that this is what's giving the orders. We said it's massive size. You know what? These rooks might be like rooklings from this massive trapped rook in this cavern, hence why it was abandoned by humans. Ooh, okay, okay. What else do we got here? Uh, six of spades, so a black six. Lost in the crackway, another adventurer. Oh, they seem to be like you traveling through the crackway, but who are they? Where are they going? And what are they like? We will create that NPC later. Maybe that's how we're going to get out of here. Ooh, interesting. Um, cause obviously, well, I don't know why they come anywhere near Marco right now, but who knows? 
the three of hearts, so a red three. The bridge has collapsed across a chasm. A vast chasm falls away into blackness, blocking your way. If you can find a way across, then your adventure continues. Otherwise, you have to add an additional exploration phase to your crackway journey. Oh no! To find another way. Okay, well, so we're going to have another exploration phase in here. Um, and then the five of diamonds, a red five. You are being followed by bandits, a maze. You find yourself in a maze of thin corridors with ornate runes carved into the walls. Oh boy, draw five cards. If you draw three of the same color, then you make it through. If you do not draw three of the same color, you become lost and add another exploration phase to your turn. Guys, we might be in these crackways for a while. But first, let's talk about how we can make these five cards work. And I think I already got it. It, it almost works in the order that we drew them. So while Marco and Berger are sitting here surrounded by these rooks, these medium, not quite medium sized rooks, like in game terms, but larger than Marco, they're sitting around. And I think that when. I think that when Berger kind of points around and looks around at this cavern, expecting maybe them to give some information or anything like that, that's when they all kind of look up at the monolith. And that monolith, it says it's in strange, mysterious, ancient runes. Maybe they're not ancient runes. Maybe these are rook language. This has been carved since humans left. So yes, I think that an academic back at the city would pay very good money for this information because anyone were able to decipher it, there might be a lot of insight about taking down rooks in a less dangerous way or in a less destructive way or something like that. So, ooh, if Marco can maybe manage to get any information here, that could be interesting. Um, so they're standing there, they see the monolith, then we have the massive-sized trapped rook. Um, I actually think that, I think maybe there was a cave-in. I think that the only way that humans escaped this was by caving in a corner of this cavern. And this rook's never been able to get out. I think despite the other rooks that are here, like, it's, it's hopeless, right? It, it's too big. And these other rooks are too small. It'd be, it'd be years, decades of work to free this thing. And it's not that they're not doing it. But I mean, at the moment, there's no immediate threat of this thing getting out. But you can see, I think, think of all those like movies you've seen where for a part of the scene, you assume something in the background is just, you know, uh, part of the setting. It's like a downed column or something like that. But um, as as these other rooks kind of look around and Berger and Marco get a chance to actually see more of what's in this cavern, that lump, that set, that piece of setting that we just assumed was nothing kind of rolls over and you hear that grinding of rock that as the head of this massive massive rook just turns and we just see like the the eye of it um is now all of a sudden just fixated on the group of rooks surrounding marco and Berger. it can't move but oh just a chill goes down marco's back as he realizes just what he's run into down here um, we also have the other adventurer, we have the collapsed bridge, and we have the maze. So I think these all play into one another here. Um, I think for the sake of this, so we know that there's a helm, and I think that this helm is basically how they're communicating without speaking. Like we said, there are optional other classes where you can play one of these rooks, um, that can communicate or whatever. I think all of these basically have 
uh, a quote unquote helm. So there's like almost like a telepathic hive mind with this large, massive trapped rook. Um, Berger kind of cocks its head and, and is wondering why it, it's not hearing what everything else is hearing. Um, uh, this is where I'm going to play that, that other adventurer that's lost in the crackway. I think that we, <laughs> we hear this cre- Oh, let's, you know, let's flip some cards for this NPC. Uh, there are oracles down here. So we're going to go to those. For an NPC generator, I'm going to flip three cards for their name, look, and characteristic. Their name is six. Alice. We have Alice. I flipped an ace for her look. She is beautiful. Oh, I love this. And a king. Here come all the face cards. I'm good thing I'm not wasting them on uh any crazy rook battles or anything like that. And I flipped a king for her characteristic, which is desperate for adventure. Wow, did that work out incredibly well. The beautiful Alice, desperate for adventure, also ventures like Marco desperately into these crackways and has found herself lost in this massive cavern city. And I think we hear her. She is attempting to get like a rubbing of this monolith, right? These ancient, uh, these strange rook runes. And uh, she's kind of like, grapple you know like hooked herself on with uh with rope and is like uh repelling down it and she's just taking notes of all these things and i think she slips and we hear her kind of oh oh goodness and she slips and catches herself but all eyes including the massive head just turn and marco looks at burger you know eyebrows go up like oh this might be our chance and sure enough a portion of the rooks um break away from this perimeter surrounding Marco and Berger and make their way to investigate, which is just enough time, I'm going to say, for Marco and Berger to book it. And they are. They're gonna they're just running. It's not gonna be look, it's not gonna be pretty. Uh they're certainly not gonna do this very well, but they are making a run for it. And um you hear the we hear Alice and she's just like, hey no, not don't leave me with these. And uh, she starts packing herself up. She's pulling herself up. And I think that we're going to reconvene. Basically, I think the two of us are going to somehow get together. Let's see. Okay, so I think that Marco runs in the opposite direction of her. Right? Like, why? Why would he run towards her? There's rooks going towards her. So he runs, and she sees Marco, and she goes, "Oi! Oh, do you know what? Hey." you can you get out of here and then she's pulling herself up and she uh she's desperate for adventure she's beautiful you know she's just uh she's everything that marco is not she's she's this beautiful desperate for adventure girl who was brave enough to just go off on her own oh you know what i gotta i gotta find out what class she is but i think that she's going to very swashbucklery just uh abandon her rope and just swing herself and she swings herself like clean over the rooks that are approaching her hits the ground with a a nice tuck and roll and uh just starts running after Marco. And she's like, hey, no, 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 no. We got to stick together, right? Like, we got to get out of here. And Marco turns back and she's like, no, why would you lead them towards us again? And uh Marco, in a panic, just kind of turns down a narrow, narrow hallway. And Alice follows. And not long after they've been running for like, you know, a minute or two, um, they stop and they're panting. <sighs> why would you follow me? You're just putting us at risk. You could have gone the other way. We could have scattered. And Marco's just kind of nervously rambling. And Alice just smiles and uh, claps her hand on his shoulder and just says, oh, thank you. If it wasn't for you, I don't know if I would have gotten out of there. 
And uh, she smiles and she says, I'm Alice. Nice to meet you. Marco looks up. Uh, Burger just does that shy thing where out from behind, <laughs> like Marco's knee and thigh just kind of leans out. And she goes, oh, he's so cute. And Marco says, I'm Marco. This is Burger. And the two of them uh, take a moment to catch their breath, but find that they are now in a maze. Oh, boy. So this is where I have to flip five cards to see if we're going to have to add another exploration phase here. Fingers crossed, guys. Let's hope that I get three cards of the same color. All right. Ready? Oh, and we are <laughs> and we're being followed by bandits. So that's going to come up soon. But let's find out. Here we go. Uh, Three of spades. Ace of spades. Five of hearts. Oh, four of diamonds. And a queen of uh spades so it says here if you draw three of the same color you make it through okay Whew. i think marco is quiet and is trying to make sense of everything um the corridors of the maze are uh filled with these ornate runes carved into the walls and i think marco is trying to make sense of them he's taking notes of what runes are at what corners what's on the walls if there's any patterns to them he's, he's a smart kid he's introspective he's trying to put this all together and make sense of it but he's doing so quietly burger is scouting ahead and taking rights and lefts and going you know a few steps and then a few steps and and kind of just uh doing preliminary scouting um but alice is just chatting it up behind him she's talking about all the places she's been so far and all of the crazy things she's seen and i think it takes a minute but then eventually um she says something like boy I think I've seen this one before. And she pulls out one of the rubbings and she sees that um, some of the runes uh, match what she rubbed from the monolith. And Marco uh, approaches and says, can I, hey, can I see that? Um, and Marco begins to study it. And I think that they make a connection. But as they're quietly looking at this, and for the first time that Alice has not been speaking uh, incessantly for this entire time, they hear the footfalls of someone else and both of them their ears perk up they give each other a kind of a worried look and i think that just for fun burger <laughs> you hear the the footsteps of burger as he runs back and turns the corner sliding uh and just kind of like big blocky hands waving turns quickly all of that moisture from the air, like we talked about last time, how Burger can create these big, blocky, icy hands or those shields, creates a big shield and just kind of slams it and kind of creates a double shield and kind of just slams it into the ground between the two walls and creates kind of like a three-foot-ish barricade uh, as the three of them, once again, begin running through the, the maze. Now they have to make sense of this much quicker, but thanks to Alice's notes and Marco's ability to kind of start putting together the patterns... He realizes that there's kind of just a pattern to follow here. It's like a sequence of runes and glyphs that actually point out dead ends and false leads. And if you know how to read it, they'll lead you to the exit. But the bandits are following us. And that is when we come to what used to be a big bridge, a big bridge that would have uh, spanned the gap, but unfortunately has collapsed thanks to that three of hearts that we pulled. And they skid on their heels as they, uh, the rocks kind of just, that dust and rocks tumble off the, the side, uh, just off the edge of what used to be a massive, uh, bridge. And we hear that, that clatter as they go down a deep, deep chasm that just falls away into the blackness. 
And now they are still being pursued by these bandits. So we're going to have a sweet combat on a cliff ledge here against some bandits. So we're going to make some enemies of the human type. And I also got to figure out what Alice can do. And uh, yeah, so let's do that. And we'll be right back for our second combat of Colossal. All right, so last time in the combat phase, we created a rook. We effectively created a medium-sized rook made out of these five, eight to ten foot tall rooks. This time we're making an opponent who is another person. These are bandits that were down here. I think that because they're down here uh, in the maze, I think that the maze does have an exit or at least a nearby exit, because these bandits wouldn't just be in these caverns. I think that they maybe come down here to loot treasure and, and you know, plunder and things like that, do typical adventurer uh, brigand things. So let's flip, uh, instead of flipping all those cards to create a rook, which is like, you know, what's its magic? What's its attack type? People are a lot simpler. All you have to do is draw two cards, one for their intention and one for the weapons that they wield. So The first card we're going to flip is for their intention in the fight, and that only matters what suit it is. And I flipped clubs, which says steal from you. Perfect. Exactly what I was saying. They come down here to plunder. They're not here to do anything crazy. In fact, they're probably not even particularly dangerous. Um, But let's see what kind of weapons they have. I flipped a jack, which means they are melee. Yeah, so... (laughs) These are simple thugs that just come down here to break stuff, take stuff, and go sell it. So I think that, uh, yeah, they probably have like swords or clubs or something like that um, that they have with them. And uh, they see us as easy prey. We take our positions, Alice and Marco and Berger, obviously, with our backs to... I think what we do is we kind of hide on either side of the opening where the maze comes out into what used to be the bridge. And we wait for them for a second. And we're going to go into combat. So as per last time, uh, we start combat by... I'm going to flip my three cards. Oh, you know what? I'm going to create Alice. I'm just going to flip one card for Alice, and it's going to be, how does she fight? Uh, She has a ranged weapon. I flipped a four, which is low, so she has a ranged weapon. So I think that that makes sense too, right? So she was rappelling down. You know what I think she has is like a, but basically it's almost like a bolus, but she can pull it back. It's not like a, yeah, it's like a, somewhere between whip, bolus, kusari gama, um, grappling hook. She basically uses something on the end of a rope and she swings it around. That sounds fun. It's just like a cool kind of badass thing. Damn, Alice is cool. I think Marco, look, we said he's a, teenage boy going out on a journey for the first time introspective young lad and he just met this beautiful talkative adventurous girl there's definitely some uh some heart eyes potentially uh going on here all right so she's got a ranged weapon marco obviously we know has his staff and burger has his fists and or shields so and we have these bandits who are coming out with their melee weapons i'm gonna flip my three cards Ooh, i got a king a ten, uh, a king and a ten of hearts, which again, hearts is um, how we attack, which is um, magic attacks. So those are going to be burger. 
And then I got a nine of spades, which is unarmed. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, a nine of clubs, which is a weapon attack. So that's one for Marco. I guess I'll flip one. I'm not going to fully stat out Alice. She's just an NPC. She gets a ten of clubs, so she also has a weapon attack. Um, so perfect. So she can use that. And other people, when you're fighting them in combat in Colossal, get one card for their combat score. So I think that um, we'll say that there are three bandits, so that way it's even between me and these bandits, and we have Alice if need be. So let's flip three cards for them. They get a six of hearts, a king of diamonds, and a four of spades. So even just between that, we can cancel out with the kings, and we can win with our 10 and 9 against their 6 and 4. And Alice obviously has a 10 as well. So their highest card is negated by ours. And we win the other ones. So I think that without this being too quickly resolved, let's uh, discuss how this goes. Basically, we wait for them to follow us. One of our attacks is magic. I think Burger makes a slick of ice. <laughs> right at the entrance where that door comes out before the bridge that is broken and one of these bandits rushes out slips on the ice and just whoa and he just falls down the chasm i'm going to use alice's hook uh rope to uh she throws it down and grabs this bandit we're not killing people just for going and, and looting abandoned caverns but she kind of holds him down there and just says like uh cool off it's a pun because of the ice magic get it bad anyway uh and then marco basically just whacks one of them right in the face with his staff as he comes around the corner uh knocking the guy to the ground he's got a bloody nose and a, br a broken nose and black eye swelling up um and then the third uh the the tie is basically what we'll say is um after the slick of ice um oh burger then turns that slick of ice he kind of turns it from horizontal along the ground and just turns it straight up and one of these guys comes in with a club and just goes to swing it, but like just meets a wall of ice and uh, gets hit and gets pushed back into the hallway. So now <laughs> across a clear uh, wall of ice is a bandit separated from his friends, one of whom is now laying on the ground, grasping his nose, and the other is dangling from a rope down the, the chasm. Alice pulls them up and this bandit kind of just like very sheepishly just kind of <laughs> looks down and says like, Oh, we're sorry. Um, we didn't think you were, we weren't going to hurt you. We were just coming, looking for, and Alice just goes, oh, you're the worst kind of adventurers. And she just get lost. Actually, um, do you know the way out of here? And Marco looks at them and says, you're going to lead us out of here. And the bandits kind of reluctantly agree, but Alice very confidently says, well, you couldn't even handle us, so you'll be lucky you have us in case anything else comes looking for us on our way out. And the bandits kind of embarrassingly lead the way uh, towards what they know to be the exit of the maze. We do need to add one more exploration phase because uh, despite us getting through the maze, we found our way out to what would have been a bridge. Unfortunately, that chasm has prevented us from going anywhere, so these bandits are going to show us the way that they came in. And I do have to flip cards for one more exploration phase. And because I didn't have to do character creation, you know what? I think let's do one more exploration phase. Let's get out of here. And that's probably where we'll call it for the session number two, where Marco finally reaches a new room, um, maybe with a friend, Alice. Maybe they split ways. 
But for now, let's flip these cards and see what happens. So we're going to flip five more cards for the Crackways exploration phase. We get a four of hearts, a seven of spades, a three of clubs, a two of clubs, and a nine of diamonds. I will never flip a face card for exploration, guys. Uh, despite them being very cool prompts, and technically, I could lie to you, but where's the fun in that? So let's see, let's see what we got here for, uh, our new exploration phase. Let's, let's get out of these, this crack way. Let's get out of the crack. Four of hearts. So ruined perilous staircase. No handrails, just steps cut from stone. If you take care, you'll probably be alright. Right? I love that. Ask that question. A seven, a black seven is that Mo that intact monolith okay so that's that's easy enough uh we're just gonna say they have to take us back to that massive cavern oh no we have to go all the way back there uh so we might run into some old old rook friends here we'll see uh the three of clubs is a black three which once again is the chasm um except this time because it's black and not red there is a bridge that spans the gap okay cool so we just we just took the wrong way and there is a bridge that will take us out um, the, the black two of clubs, uh, empty and echoing great hall, a massive echoing chamber carved out of stone with ornate pillars throughout holding up the roof disappears into blackness in every direction you look due to its vastness. Ooh, that's cool. Um, and then finally the nine of diamonds, a location, a calling. Oh, you come across a place or person that's key to your calling. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, well, obviously we know Marco's calling is his familial map that's been handed down and the key. Oh, okay. Part of me wants to say it's the map and we find that the exit leads to one of these places where I can learn something about these glyphs. But I think, I think it'd be even cooler if I can use my key. Hmm. How can we make that happen? One of the prompts for the keys is that they do unlock it, it like that it would maybe it unlocks something about a, a massive rook or something like that. But I think. ooh, OK, I got it. I got it because I could tie this in with. OK, we're going to tie the two red cards in together and we're going to do the three black cards together uh, just because this will be interesting. So because seven was the monolith that is intact, what happens is the bandits do take us back to that cavern we were previously in. but. They take us around a way that we didn't previously come from. So now Marco can see the backside of that monolith. Not only is it written on the one side that Alice was taking the rubbings from, what they actually find out is that these ancient, or not ancient, but these rook runes actually kind of spiral all the way around this monolith. It's almost like they are written and the monolith turns on itself. So at the time, Marco only saw the one side and, and got what Alice was seeing. But now they can make out even more of this. Despite Alice and Marco's desires to stay and take more notes and research this further, the bandits are only going to lead them out at their own pace. So they have to hustle to keep up. But um, Marco does manage to make a few notes about that. Then we have the chasm with the bridge that spans, and we have the echoing Great Hall. So I think that the bridge is going to get us out, but they lead us um, the way that they came in through that empty, echoing Great Hall. And they warn us, be very quiet, which obviously is going to be very difficult for Alice, but she 
she deals with it. She uh, closes her mouth, and Marco kind of constantly keeps his eye on her. Every time she starts whispering, oh my god, isn't this crazy? He just looks at her, and uh, they manage to get through. When they reach the end of the Great Hall, this is when I'm going to say that there is a ruined perilous staircase that leads in a direction. Um, I think that there are basically like three exits at the end of this great hall. One of them is caved in. The other is the way that the bandits are taking Alice and Marco to leave this crackway. But the other is a incredibly dangerous looking staircase that uh, kind of switchbacks up and uh, up and back along the wall of this great hall and goes up. And the thing that relates it to the calling that Marco sees is that he sees one of these runes from his family's map above the door of the exit. However, this staircase is much too dangerous to attempt to go up on his own right now. And he's not even sure where it's going to take him. And he's sure that the bandits can at least get them out of the crackway. So put a pin in that one. We're going to have to come back for that as Marco... Berger and Alice follow the bandits and escape this crackway and they're going to get out. So uh, when we talked with the woman before about uh, where Marco was heading and what room he was going to and things like that, there was a note and she told him how to get to the next room. And when he spoke to the hunter, he noticed the rune and recognized it from a plateau in this other room. So I think that we described Marco's room, his homeland, as rolling fields, and the woman had a farm. So I think it's very temperate forest, lakes, you know, agriculturally rich, I think all of this. And then surprising Marco when he walks out of the the door to this crack, and as they approach it, I think, from the exit that the bandits are taking them to, as they're approaching the exit, and you can see the light at the end of this cavern, right? Uh, the crack where it opens into the next room. Uh, there's a bright searing light, and uh, as they approach the exit, there's just sand blowing in, and it is just sandy all down the steps that lead them out into this new room, which looks like desert canyon lands. Oh, I just realized we never flipped a card for a reward from those bandits, so let's flip to see what the reward is. We flipped an eight of diamonds, so that would mean that the reward that we are going to get is a weapon. Okay, interesting. So we said they had swords and they had clubs. Um, I don't think any of us are really interested in a, like a sword or a weapon or anything like that. Yeah, I don't think that we're going to uh, use this reward, but I think what this means is, um, and this would make sense, Alice and Marco have to confiscate the weapons from these, these bandits in order to um, feel safe about them leading them out. So uh, clubs and and swords are taken from these bandits and stashed away for safety. And despite us not being able to use it, basically it's an item that we now have in our possession. So if we ever get to a town or city, uh, we can trade that. So we will just stash that away for trade later. So these canyon lands and desert are I'm I'm imagining it kind of like the American Southwest. So dry, hot, arid heat. There are well-traveled roads here, and not far in the distance there's actually visibly 
a settlement of some kind along a river. Obviously, canyons are carved from water at some point in the past, so there's still a river here, and obviously all along that river is a narrow band of green and a settlement along that, and the bandits look and say, all right, well, we're not exactly welcome there, so we're going to leave you guys and uh, be on our be on our merry way, but uh, we wish you the best of luck. Any chance we can get our weapons back? And Alice just laughs as Marco's like reaching and kind of, Marco was about to be like, sure. And Alice just kind of steadies his hand and says like, no, I think you've learned your lesson. Maybe try picking up a more reputable line of work in the future. And the bandits kind of just look and just go, oh, not worth the fight. And they skulk off as Alice uh, puts her arm around Marco very uncomfortably. And I think uh, from one side, Alice puts her arm around Marco and from the hip that he feels uh, the arm, the big blocky hand of Burger go around him as well as she just looks and just goes like i always wanted an adventuring partner you got to tell me all the places you've been first though let's go get a drink i'm thirsty and i think that's where we're going to end it uh we'll make a settlement next time do a little bit of exploring of a city or a village or something like that the actually the settlement building in this game is really cool uh i get to flip cards to create a settlement so we're going to do that next time yeah and uh we'll continue the adventures of Marco and Berger with episode three of playing with myself colossal all right thank you if you enjoyed this episode please let me know um you know reach out to us on social media dms after dark on all of the big things facebook uh you could talk to us we'll respond uh instagram twitter i don't think we're on any of those new ones ever since twitter's been questionable lately i don't know i'm not good at social media but follow us at dm such dark on all of the social medias obviously you're listening to the podcast so thank you if you like it please give it a rate on whatever you listen to it on um it goes a long way in just helping us get in the algorithm or whatever that means i don't know but supposedly it helps if you like what we do check out our twitch streams we are currently running Crossroads Carnival, a 1930s Depression Dust Bowl era carnival circus thing with some crazy, creepy stuff going on. Amber's running it. You know it's going to be gloriously creepy. And we're gearing up for some big things for 2023. We hope to just continue providing you guys great experiences and games that you should be playing. Uh, if you want to reach out to us directly, email us at dmsafterdark at gmail.com. And once again, the show that we are calling Playing With Myself on the Internet continues to be one of our more family-friendly series, so, you know, not sorry. Until next time, don't do cracks. Good night. Hold on, I have a question. If you draw five cards from a deck of cards... How do you not get three of the same color? Is it be... Right? There's no way. <laughs>